Spoiler alert! The Silver Screen Redemption includes few to no spoilers. Due to Houston and Brian's lack of cinematic knowledge, most of their movie information is either false or imagined. However, if they still leave you feeling paranoid about potential spoilers, please check the episode description for details. Alright, welcome back to the Silver Screen Redemption, our comedy podcast where we take your favorite movie franchises and make subjectively necessary sequels. I am the one, the only, the Houston Bodley. Wow, um, I am an, a, one of the Brian Perrys in the world. I, I bet there's probably like 12 Brian Perrys in the world. At least. Um, I Th- actually, that is a very selective group. I actually apartment. added a guy from England whose name was Brian Perry on <laughs> MSN Messenger when I was in middle school. And we had a conversation. It was great. We were, <laughs> anyway, that's not important. But I am. I do want to acknowledge that I'm not the only Brian Perry in the world. You are one of the important Brian Perrys. And I am the most important Houston Bodley. You might be the only Houston Bodley. I might be the only Edward Houston Bodley, yeah. if we're being very honest here. But I don't think I'm the only Brian Joseph Perry. That it's very vanilla. You have a very boring name, Brian. Right. Is what we've decided. It's a beautiful name, though. Hey guys, it's officially Christmas song season. Yep, which is the worst, and so we need to make a movie today because I need to break my spirits to get you out of your slump. I guess. Okay, literally at work yesterday, they played "It's Beginning to Look Like Christmas" seven times by seven different artists. What? But that is inappropriate. It Why is. they need new Christmas music? Is what I've decided. That's like the What's New Pussycat story by John Mulaney. Have you heard this? No, I haven't. He, he tells a story about going to a diner and them playing uh, What's New Pussycat on the jukebox like 20 times. <laughs> but after six times, they play It's Not Unusual um, by the same artist, right? Yeah. Tom Jones or whatever. But that people were so excited to hear It's Not Unusual because they'd been hearing What's New Pussycat over and over again. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. And then it went straight back into... You know, 10 more uh, What's New Pussycats. So, yeah. Um, And with that, we have a guest today. We have a wonderful guest to help us break this awful Christmas spirit mood and help us make a good movie. (laughs) Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? So my name's Kevin Helps. I can't find any evidence that there's anyone else named Kevin Helps (laughs) on the planet. So I think I am the one and only. Um, Every now and then I follow people named Kevin on Facebook. So I follow an Irish vet. Okay. An Irish animal shelter. Or... Yeah, like a veterinarian. Okay. And then an Irish like cultural festival. So is it an Irish name? Yeah, there's a Cavan County in Ireland. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything that we need to know about you to understand what we're about to talk about? So, uh, yeah, let me let me uh, open the kimono here. So oh, I... Uh, close it. <laughs> oh, okay. Gross. All right. You were very Kevin. shocked when you wore a kimono in. But. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> I was I was advised not to, but it I'd is break December all the too. rules. I mean, of all the people I've seen wearing kimonos, you probably pulled off the best. Oh, thank you. But it's, don't pull yeah. it off. But right. don't pull it off. <laughs> uh, so I made a post on the Facebook about movie prequels and how I think they're terrible <laughs> as a general rule. Um, Brian and I had a massive fight about it. Um, and I said, let's settle this on air. Blood. Yeah, yeah. He's like, fight me in real life. And I was like, well, where should I meet you? And here we are. <laughs> yeah. We actually have boxing gloves on for this yeah, recording. This is, it's going to get bloody in here. It we're, made we're it really hard to press play button. Yeah. That's why well, I wanted to free myself up for martial arts. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yep. And on that note, we're making a Creed 2 sequel today. Yeah. <laughs> but prequel. So the rule today, we have, we're coming in. It's one of those classic episodes where we actually have something in mind. Sometimes we have absolutely nothing in mind. Today, we probably won't even go to our good friend, Mr. Fandango, Mr. Dango Unchained. But um, yeah, we're making a prequel. We're going we're gonna to convince you. We're going right. to sell you on the perfect prequel. Well, let's let's clarify. Ready we don't have a specific prequel we want to make. Correct. But we want to, under your tutelage as our studio executive, <laughs> yeah. uh, create, inspire... Uh, I'm running out of adjectives that I want to use or verbs. Uh, but also create, in, again. initiate, create, initiate, incept, incept. This is why you're the studio executive. Yeah, you know a lot That's of. That's why words. they pay me the big. Well, bucks. incept is very, it's very prequel too. I like. Yeah, that. 
That's true. Word choice. It's not Inception yet. Not yeah, yet. it's the Inception of Inception. We might need to do the Inception of Inception, the prequel to Inception. That's we a kinda, bad idea. But. We did kind of do that last episode, so we might need to cool it for no, a we little. did iRobot. That ended in Inception. Oh, yeah, it did. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So we might need to cool it. Either way, we're going to try and create a movie that you, as a prequel, a prequel cynic, will get a give an A plus grade to. All right. Good luck. Do you think it's possible? I mean, I, you know, I doubt going it. into this. I doubt it. I'm okay. I'm the Simon Cowell of prequel judging. Okay. That was Perfect. that was a red hot reference right there. <laughs> yeah. That was that was really good. But evergreen, I think. I, I don't yeah. think it will ever not be understood what you mean by being a Simon Cowell judge. Um, I'll up to, I'm the Paul Hollywood of of prequel judging. That's the baking one. Yeah, right? British Bake Off. Okay. Now I haven't watched that. A one. show of pure goodness. When you first said Simon Cowell, I didn't hear the L at the end, so I thought you just said Simon Cowell. <laughs> Could you be a Simon Cowell cynic? Uh, not knowing who that is, absolutely yes. <laughs> I do All not you do is say Simon Cowell if you approve of oh, it. Oh, oh, I see. I understand. Or I'm, where, where I'll, I'll give appropriate counter. So you're like, oh, how about a prequel? <laughs> Where we answer why Han Solo's last name is Solo, and I go because <laughs> it's unacceptable. I think that's what the whole audience made. Yeah, that noise that was, is when that was announced. I actually thought that was part of the movie after my first <laughs> viewing. I was like, oh, that really added to the scene. The, the camera turns. Noise. Lando is secretly sitting there. Oh, uh, this guy, and he gets my Falcon. What is up with this Falcon? Uh, Falcon. <laughs> um, but anyway, um. What what are your what are your main points against prequel? Why is it? Why would you say that a so, prequel is is not a good move for a movie studio? Okay, here's where I I have to admit a weakness, a chink in my armor okay. that you could exploit. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with the idea of a prequel, but they always seem to be so insulting to the intelligence of the viewer. Mm. It's like we assume you're here because you want to see this character, and um, wait, actually, a terrible offender in the prequel Olympics. Yep. Is, uh, We're going with that term. Is uh, Star Trek Discovery. Have you guys seen Discovery? No. Okay. That's a new series, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm a Star Trek nerd, and without burying into it too much, and I'm sorry for the heat your podcast is going to get for the comments I'm about to make. Um, <laughs> We're used to it. But, uh, we ruin everyone's it's, childhoods. It's awful. It introduces so many continuity errors, and I can't, for the world of me, realize why it's not a sequel, because it would fit just fine if they said it after DS9. And then all the technology would make sense. But they're like, no, we think people want to see Spock. Okay. I do want to see Spock. That is what their voice I sounds like. We want to see Spock <laughs> as a ghost. It's a oh, spot on Spock impersonation, though. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> Can I make a counter argument to this? Yeah, all right. Let's do it. Not to Discovery, because I heard Discovery is also just not great. It's, and Sarah it's fine. Silverman is in it as herself, which is something that we did in a movie. Is that true? I've heard Sarah Silverman is in the show as herself. If, if she's in there as herself, then it's uh, it's a bit part. Yeah. Um, but what's your counterpoint, yeah, Houston? Here's my counterpoint, and maybe so I pulled up a small list of movies that are considered prequels that I think are objectively good. Okay. Um, and one of them is actually the Star Trek 2009 reboot. Now, there's some controversy to that because some okay. people might not consider that an actual prequel so right. much as it is a reboot. Okay. And so I want to get your opinion on that. Cause I think what Star Trek 2009 does, that's really well and goes against what discovery did is they did go and change the continuity, but it's devised as this alternate universe. Right. So it plays in the sandbox that it's allowed to mess things up and it's okay. And I think that is a good example of how you can do a prequel. I guess I hadn't thought of it as a prequel so much as a reboot, but it, to be fair, you're right. We don't see Captain Kirk's rise to power in, in the show. Yes. So I, I hadn't thought of it as a prequel till this very moment. Um, I do think it's pretty good, and that's going to get yeah. you more heat. So. <laughs> no, so I it, think it's great. I think it's... Suck uh, it, Trekkies. <laughs> the Wrath of Khan one, Into Darkness, that people hate because it ruins Khan yeah, in a sense. But the, I think most people are generally on board with the first one. Most Trekkies, like myself, we love the hand-wringing in Star Trek. So, mm -hmm. like, a great episode would be like, well, the law says we can't help this planet, but they're being killed by a plague. And then 45 minutes of people exchanging philosophical barbs. And shut up, Wesley. <laughs> Good idea, Wolf. Um... And then at the end, they make some decision and everything goes wrong. We're like, that was a good Star Trek episode. Lots of <laughs> lots of thinking and worrying and 
Um, because you know, that's, that's how our lives are. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's good to see ourselves on camera. We don't need um, laser blasters and giant right. missiles to solve and our problems. So when, when JJ Abrams insisted on adding like existential threats or conflict or, or, or conflict, conflict. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, what is this? A fun sci-fi movie that anyone could enjoy? <laughs> That's not the Star Trek I love. Yeah. That's not my Star Trek. I didn't trek to the movie theaters for that one. No, yeah. sir. Oh, hey, that was good. Thank that was you. Good. That's all I do on this show is puns. Um, yeah, I, I, I distinctly got the impression, oh, this was made for me, someone who has never watched a Star Trek. <laughs> we don't want you in our fandom, <laughs> yeah. Brian. So... The reason I bring this up is because I kind of want to make points of like, these are aspects of prequels, whether they're considered prequels or not, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe just reboot, that it worked well to some form of degree. And so we can include it in our movie going forward. I think that's one of them is it, it's a reboot that doesn't destroy the continuity of former movies, Mm -hmm. but it also brings in a new audience to a sense, but in a good positive way. It's not like taking Star Trek, but it's dumb philosophical. So what if we, the the gorilla in the room, what people think of when you say prequels without any modifier, um, you, you can take Star Wars and people who like Star Wars more than, I like Star Wars, but not as much as my wife. I found out the kind of Star Wars fans who were out there <laughs> when I got married. Um, but it takes things from the original trilogy and kind of mutates them to the point where you have to do mental gymnastics to fit like... You know, Obi-Wan lying his face off to Luke throughout the entire original yeah. trilogy. To understand how Leia as a baby remembered her mom. Right. Yeah. yeah. All things that, because thanks to the Star Wars community, we can technically find explanations for, but involve right. a lot of hoop jumping. Well, there's force there. dreams and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like so is that okay? Like, is there a spectrum of, we want this amount of mental gymnastics prevent predictability or, or where do we, where do we fall on that? I'm going to... I know that I'm the grumpy executive, but... (laughs) Well, we're normie. We're normie? (laughs) We we are normies. We are normies. We're normally the cynical ones here. That's why we're trying to fix the Hollywood studio formula, so to say. Um, They need more cynicism in Hollywood. I would say, like... I will say on record, some of my least favorite movies of all time are the Hobbit movies. Because... Amen. They go through... One... It's basically all CGI, which was one of the best parts of Lord of the Rings is that it was mostly practical effects. And okay. so it just looks fake compared to the originals. But, but that's not a knock on prequels. Right? That's yeah. not a knock on. That's just new movies. Today. Yes. That's just something I have to get off my chest because I could go on for two hours about this. But the problem they have is, oh, we have this rich source material that everyone loves, like Star Wars, like Lord of the Rings. What we need to do is make it more convoluted and more abstract and get all these ideas that are going to shake things up for viewers and have to make them do these mental gymnastics because that's what we as studio executives think they want is to make it more complicated, make it more Mm, intertwined. mm -hmm. And, but I don't think that's necessarily true. And I think a good example that goes against that is uh, casino Royale, which is a James Bond prequel. Where I he literally had no idea this. I don't. I didn't know there was any timeline to James Bond at all. <laughs> they kind of live in their own existence. Yeah, which I think is a great thing in its own because it's basically a standalone movie. It doesn't have to interview with or interview <laughs> interfere with the continuity of other movies, and it also just like anything it changes. It's it's a logical change. It's just like oh, you're either fixing something or it doesn't really matter because these stories. This is kind of its own story in its own space. So, okay. I want to I want to jump in the James Bond timeline. This is a bit of a tangent, but I've th- I've carried this burden with me for like 20 <laughs> That's years. That's what we're here for. Um there's a Roger Moore movie. I can't remember which one now, but it opens the movie with him staring at the grave of his wife? Question mark. Um and what? <laughs> <laughs> um that's my question. <laughs> like did he get a wife in a previous movie or did they inject a wife into James Bond who was never mentioned again in any way? Huh. And I think with that, it kind of goes back to the Anakin thing where one of the reasons people hate the prequels is because they don't like the representation of Anakin as opposed to right. how they viewed he would be compared to what we know of Darth Vader. Right. 
and I I think that's a perfect example of James Bond is they insert this wife character who is that's not a James Bond characteristic. He's a womanizer, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of his shtick. So when you throw like these random, oh, he had a secret family that everyone knows about, that betrays the character, um, yeah, yeah, on a yeah. sense. And I think that's something that prequels do. That's a problem. Darth Vader had a lot of depth and character that was explored in the original trilogy that you know they had to live up to. Yeah, that was sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really needed to know he hated sand. And that's why he didn't go back to Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, to that we, we got there. I I don't know. I uh, this might surprise you, but I could go on for ages about Star Wars. <laughs> uh, Star Wars is is a case where I do feel like it is a lot of we're going back to like fix things. It's become such a huge phenomenon. Yeah, I'm speaking in you know the 1990s, saying, man, people really love Star Wars, but they're starting to pick it apart and they're starting to notice all these holes and they're starting to do all this thing. Let's let's. Let's use the prequels to fix that. Right. But well, then let's but go. then they're not making you do the gymnastics as much as they are doing gymnastics right. while they're trying to make a movie. Let's go explain why it's okay that the Death Star blew up that easily. Yeah. And make a whole movie off of it. Well, and for me, that is that is actually like the perfect use of a prequel. I actually like that I love that about Rogue Oh, Rogue. I will I, I think I'm joining Kevin's side on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did I'm not the biggest fan of Rogue One. I really like Rogue One. And I'm fine with that being like. Hey, Can we, we team up against Brian? And well, I mean, <laughs> I, Brian I, I know my I know up. my character hates Rogue One, but I liked Rogue One. But in, in character, yeah, Rogue One was really bad. I hated how it raised the stakes and had surprisingly good emotional connection to characters that you didn't know for very long. And it had Diego Luna, and I really like Diego Luna. And he likes Jabba. He just wants to. Touch so okay, Jabba. people co- like after the prequels come out, people are like, "Oh no, they had such like." wooden dialogue and stilted acting and weird character reversals like yeah the original trilogy had problems but you know the prequels did too (laughs) and (laughs) i don't know i I feel like people have rose-colored glasses about the original movies i think so too my no i think they're perfect and how dare you both speak about (laughs) them my number one complaint about any star wars movie is the pacing of episode four it's so slow Okay. And it's just like, I mean, it was made in the 70s and maybe that was more normal. Like, that for was, me, as a modern viewer, it's like, it was a little slow. Maybe it's because I know what's happening so much. I've seen it several times. And yeah, that but is... it feels slow to me. I think you guys did touch on a good point, is the nostalgia factor. And that is primarily what comes down to all these prequels being made. Is, oh, the audience is going to buy this because member Star Wars, member Lord of the Rings, they're all great. But you have nowhere to move forward. It's like, exactly. oh, things were so resolved at the end, we have to go back. And so, naturally, there's going to be this discontinuity between episode three and episode four, which was one of my problems, is why does everything look more futuristic than it did in episode four? Mm. And so, like, you are you should be evolving the story, both in, like, in the context of the movies, as well as in our viewership, the way we perceive movies. Because, yeah. Episode set or episode four was fast for its time as far as pacing, but nowadays mm. it's a much slower movie. And yeah. I think prequels makes that kind of a jarring mental connection that doesn't work. And so it needs to be something that I feel like is either of its time with the others, so it doesn't feel like there's that big a gap, or something that is like kind of a forever green tree. Right. Of it can withstand yeah. and the change. And for me, the original trilogy. The sun rises and sets on Harrison Ford's performance. Everything else is details. In yeah, my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely true. I never thought about it that way. But yeah, he's plot wise, he's not core, but his, no. his character is just very entertaining. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we make this prequel then? Let's make it. I think we've like I think we've sussed out some some good things about prequel. No, we haven't. I think we've just talked about <laughs> bad things about prequels. Okay. Can I can I go to bat for prequels for a second? Can I finish my list of bad prequels? <laughs> okay, okay. And then I'll give you some good prequels. And maybe that can be a good launch okay, pad into what actually works. <laughs> good transition. So here's some bad prequels real quick. Star Wars we touched on. Uh, the Hobbit we touched on. Fantastic Beasts, not a fan. Especially this newest one. Oh, amen. Radio I won't spoil it. But it, it made me so frustrated. And I think that is another point. J.K. Rowling or George Lucas need to figure out is why are you changing stuff you already were doing well yeah and there's this need to like outdo yourself don't do it um x-men uh origins with wolverine 
Oh, yeah. X-Men Origins Wolverine is what it's called, I believe. Yeah. Awful. Featuring any of the, Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> any of those like universal monster prequels, like the Dracula and Told, the I Frankenstein, mm. where they try to give like a of the time reboot. You're saying like modernizing it? Yeah. That doesn't sound like a prequel to me though. Well, it was specifically a prequel, but it's like, let's do the origin story. Okay. As though it was kind of what we were talking about later. There's this this discontinuity between I think I think we need to separate origin stories from prequels. You can tell an origin story of someone without it being a prequel if it's a reboot. Right? Well, I was gonna say, like, there's some good examples of like, prequel like Star slash Trek, right? Like Star story. Trek yeah. is you're telling the origin story of Captain Kirk, but time-wise, it actually takes place after other Star or Star Trek stuff, right? Because Spock is old. There's old Spock from the other timeline or something. Well, it's because oh, it comes back in time, though. Does he go back in time? That, yeah. It might be the world's only lateral quill. Yeah. Where it's, it's like parallel, alternate yeah. timeline quill. It might, yeah. When the Undertale movie comes out, though, that'll have one. Yeah. Shoot, I, I need to finish. Wait, Undertale? Yeah. I'm like in the middle of playing that right now. Uh, so, <laughs> so don't spoil it. Forget anything <laughs> Just I said. I've, I've heard enough <laughs> that, that I, I kind of have some expectations. Anyway. Um, I do think you can't <laughs> separate origin stories from prequels if they come after a pre-existing movie, though. And I think there's more examples than Star Trek. Like Batman Begins, when it came out, it was a prequel. It's an origin story to Batman, but it's very much a prequel because we had five Batman movies. So this is the that. first time that we, we've we used reboot cool in our marketing material a lot. I think this is the first time I, we've actually confronted what a reboot cool is. I don't... This I is like very I'm strange to me. I almost history. feel like reboot cool is like a Mad Max Fury Road. Where it's, okay, the franchise rested for a while. Now we're bringing it back with new actors, new Got characters. It. So it's, it's, it's kinda, cool like sequel. Yeah. Not cool like prequel. But we could, that's what we, that's what I'm saying it is right now. We could do either way. A pre-boot that, I feel like that's a wide net. But is it a pre-boot? A is pre- it a pre-boot? A I think it's a pre-boot. <laughs> Nailed it. Or maybe that's when you go back in time and make the movie ahead of when it was made originally. That'd be a real pre-boot. I don't know. <laughs> like if I went to the 60s and made Star Wars, that would be a pre-boot. Yeah. It all makes sense. And I finally understand what I would do with a time machine. <laughs> Make Star Wars in 1975. Yeah. Some other quick examples. Uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I think, is a really good use of making a prequel, okay. essentially. Um, I have nothing to say about these. I've never seen them. Temple of, <laughs> Temple of Dune from the Indiana Jones series. And I think that works because you could look at it as a sequel or a prequel. And it's not constrained by the fact that it's pre-Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Maybe that's something we shoot for in ours then. Yeah. Maybe we shoot for something that... Like, the we talked about James Bond. Like, I have no, I had no idea there was even a timeline. Like, yeah. in our minds, it could yeah. be a prequel, but maybe we could leave it nebulous enough that it would make sense just fitting anywhere. I guess any, any non-serial thing can be that. I don't know why the example that came to my mind was Rugrats. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if you're watching Rugrats, you don't know if... The episode where they think that the grill is a UFO is before or after <laughs> another example that I can think of <laughs> from that show. Um, and here's the last one. And this is the one that I think is most interesting to me that we could include in the movie is The Godfather Part 2, where it is both a prequel and a sequel, where it's showing the rise of the the ringleader for this mafia. Is there a term he- for a ringleader of a mafia? It's called a Don. Oh, okay. A mafiolio. I, I, I actually thought the answer was Godfather, so I've never <laughs> seen the Godfather movies either. Um, where it's showing how, like, the original Don of this family rose to power versus how his son is now rising to power. And it plays okay. the stories uh, kind of parallel to each other. And you can see that, like, the physical details of what they're doing are the same, but the way they're going about it, like, their intent behind things is very different. And so the the original leader kind of has like a pure heart in that he's like trying to protect the people, his family, the people he lives with and trying to upset the powers that are ruining life for everyone else. Whereas this new leader is getting power hungry and trying to, uh, he's just becoming more selfish. He's pushing his family away and he's ruining the establishment by becoming a more powerful. I really appreciate that you're telling me the plot of Godfather too, but anyone who listens to a movie podcast has probably seen it. So we can probably move yeah, on. Just, but, just not the people who are on the podcast. Right. But the, the people who listen are probably seen it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's a plot, but it's like a thematic analysis. Yeah, of yeah the, that is It doesn't come out 
strictly and say like, this is what's happening. Pay attention. Yeah. It so. feels like a This Is Us episode to me. Yeah, that's a good way which, to put it. Which but I better. think does it well. But better. Yeah, okay. Um, I think that would be an interesting way to go about it. Okay. Do you have any more good prequels? Nope, there's no more. There's no, there are Just no kidding. Prequels. There's some like Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I haven't seen it, so I can't talk about it. That's how we know it's good. <laughs> is it a prequel? It technically is. That was is. actually brought up on my Facebook post. Someone said it was like the best prequel fight me or something. Interesting. But it was a big guy, so I didn't want to fight him. Yeah. It's part of the Dollar Trilogy. And he didn't have a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Brian, I'm done talking. Okay. So take over. So I have a plan. <laughs> this is my plan. Uh, my, my computer just decided to, to stop working, though. It well, says while just you a reboot moment. your computer, okay. have you seen the argument that Star Wars kind of does the same thing with the machete method? I oh, don't know yeah. what the machete method is. I know. So machete. the machete method is you watch episode four, then episode five, you skip episode one altogether, watch episode two and three, and then you watch episode six. And there's a lot has been written about the machete method, so the listeners can Google it. But the short version is it creates a parallel between Anakin and Luke. Interesting. Because, and I think George was trying to do this. We're on a first name basis. Um, yeah, you and George. And, George. Uh, yeah, old, old Georgie. Um, where He's you get to see Luke kind of walking the same path that Anakin did, but then at a critical moment, Luke theoretically chooses the light side. Then episode seven and eight happen, and it's different. Yeah. So you know who also has a good machete method is the Fast and Furious franchise. Really? That was one that I didn't put on this list because I haven't seen all of them. But Fast Five, which most people consider the best in the franchise, is a prequel. Okay. And the whole, all the movies have like this weird chronological order where it's like one and two are like in the middle of the story and three is in oh, the I future. Have heard about this. And yeah. then it's like five and six are before one and two and then seven and eight are between two and three. And did we make that franchise? Uh, we, probably did. we probably did. That sounds like us. Oh man, I secretly love those movies. So <laughs> I've literally never you, seen. You one should of them. email me the order I should watch them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, um, this I, is Brian Perry speaking. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone, reach out to me, please. Uh, I love Fast and the Furious. Okay, um, here's my plan. I'm ready. I have three categories of things that may point us in the right direction. Okay, because we this this far into the episode, we still have no idea what intellectual property we're going to be working with. Okay, these ones might give us some ideas. So we've talked about principles, right? Good, yeah. bad, ugly, right? And Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Um, this may actually give us a, a source material as well as maybe some more, more lessons. By the way, can I title this type of episode the good, the bad, and the prequels? The good, and the yeah, sure. You can call it whatever you want. Okay, I'm, that's what I'm titling it. <laughs> we promise to go watch that movie after we record this. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, my first category is... Uh, you might have already touched on this. Good sequel. Sequels that are better than the original. Okay? Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2, Dr. Octopus. We've talked about how much we love that movie. Yeah. Good Terminator movie. 2. Another classic. Yeah. T2. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Uh, Shrek 2. Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is way better than Shrek 1. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes we Back. We could go on. Yep. There, that exists, right? Maybe that means there's something about those franchises. And I don't think we do Star Wars because we've talked about it a ton and we've already done several Star Wars episodes. But a Shrek, a Shrek prequel... There's something there, maybe. Okay. My next category are movies that are not beloved by anyone, but that I enjoyed. Right? Because part of the problem is we don't want to destroy should, a legacy. We should classify these as cult classics. These are not all cult classics. Some of these are Valerian. Okay, you're right. <laughs> okay, Valerian. Okay, I started watching Valerian, and I was not into it, and I was very confused by it. But it was a cool world, I feel like. Maybe you could do something there, right? Do some more world building there and put some prequel stuff in that will explain to me, an idiot, what's happening in Valerian. So you're saying it as more of like a, we're it's doing a risky. prequel to salvage the universe. Yeah, it's it's less risky. It's not like making a, a prequel to Star Wars where everyone has so many expectations. No one will expect anything from Valerian. But then if it's good, <laughs> if it's good, then all of a sudden Valerian is better. Yeah, that's what I want. Only one direction to go. Yeah. It's good logic. Um, John Carter, probably in the same vein, except that I actually really liked John Carter. Um, I think all of the books in that series are not prequels, but we could figure that out somehow. I'm getting no response from either of you on John Carter. John Carter, I think, was fine. It was just, it 
the market was bad and yeah okay i I was warned away from it yeah it seemed like something i would have loved but then i peer pressure um it's a cool movie and the book is good too john carter of mars um princess of mars i think is the the book it's based on big trouble in little china is a cult classic i've never seen it but it was on sort of (laughs) it was sort of this it it was on a list so so you're overqualified to make a prequel is what i'm here yeah um it was on a listicle called um movies that flopped that were actually good so Big Trouble in Little China fell in that category. And that's what I would consider a cult classic, is one yes. that didn't make a lot of movie because it looked like it might be stupid, but people revisited it later and realized, hey, yeah. that is actually really good. Yeah. They weren't going to spend their their $2 at the theater to see it. But uh, anyway, Dune is the other one that I haven't seen, but was on this list. But that is already coming out oh, as it? a reboot with Denis Villeneuve, who directed Arrival and okay. Sicario. Oh. So I, I'm excited for oh. it. Yeah, that Blade yeah. Runner 2049 he also did. I'm okay. excited for that one. Cool. Blade Runner was on, a, li- on my, a list in my next category. So good transition. Thank you. Another listicle I read on Looper, not the movie, the website Looper, had a, a list that was just movies that need a prequel. Right? I cheated this would have been so much up. more interesting if it was a listicle you read on the movie Looper. <laughs> wait, 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 pause, pause, pause. <laughs> oh, you were, okay, you're saying watching Looper and seeing a listicle on it. I'm thinking a listicle about Looper. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe no, that's, Looper, that's before you fun. watch Joseph Gordon-Levitt save the day, he's going to read off some movies that he thinks should have a prequel. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Man, I wish there were a sequel to Cloverfield, he says. <laughs> Uh, but the first starring me the first one's cloverfield because <laughs> cloverfield is doing this weird world building thing where they just keep like jj abrams will just like have a movie pitched to him and being like yeah i like it it's a cloverfield movie now that's, well, that's what happened with 10 cloverfield lane well i think oh. this is a spoiler for cloverfield paradox but at the end of that movie you find out all these stories are taking in different universes and it's just they made this riff in space. I didn't actually watch it, but so all these. <laughs> I'm so glad you're spoiling it for us, and you haven't seen it. <laughs> I watched just enough to spoil it. <laughs> I, I'm fine with spoiling movies that weren't well received, yeah. Because then it's like, oh, I don't want to waste my time watching it, but I want to figure out like interesting yeah. implications that it creates. The most interesting for me is not the plot itself. It's that literally both of those movies. It was someone else developing a movie in Bad Robot Studios and J.G. Abrams coming in and saying, yep, too bad. It's a, it's Cloverfield now. <laughs> like, 10 Cloverfield Lane is a super interesting, like, psychological, like, it's someone kidnapped and it's trapped a in a bunker. Movie. And, like, it's really good. But then it's also in the Cloverfield universe. And, and they have like, to okay. kind of force it in at the end. Yeah. But that's an interesting take is do a prequel. I don't think we're the ones to do it because they just keep doing it already. Minority reports on the list. We just did iRobot, and that feels very similar. So I don't know about yeah. that one. Guardians of the Galaxy, interesting. There's a lot to explore there. Jurassic Park is probably a controversial one, but it was on the list. So I was in, interested in what we what you would do with that. I, the story of a young John Hammond. I don't know. Oh, I'll do it if our executive. I think it's. Makes I think us. it's. I think it's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about of being a bad example of what you do with the prequel. Yeah. It's like take something beloved and then just keep making and more of them. answer questions nobody's asking. Yeah. That's how yeah. I feel about every Jurassic sequel. Yeah. I, oof. I okay. also skipped all of those. I've okay. never been passionate about Jurassic Park ever. I've like, I've seen the first one and it's like, that's a cool movie. And then I never saw the second or third. And then I saw the new Jurassic, the first Jurassic World. And I was like, that's fine. That's fine. So then I went. It's a disposable monster movie. I went pretty excited into the second one and then I hated it. I've never disliked a popular movie so much. It's like a giant dinosaur taking a dump on you. Yeah. Is how I felt watching that movie. That was the best scene. <laughs> <laughs> when he poops right on the camera and it's in 3D. Anyway. Uh, and Blade Runner is on the list as well. And I have never seen it. So Yeah, that's not one we're going to do if okay, you cool. guys haven't seen it. Because it is a very complex movie. Yeah, it's done. We're done with it. Yeah. I... Okay, I, I think we walked away from Guardians of the Galaxy too quick. A rom-com between a literal god and a human. Oh, so not even Peter Quill. Yeah. That has potential. The only problem I have with that, though, is then you're watching the whole movie as, yeah, this guy's the worst. He's just using her. So it's a but, rom-com. But. <laughs> <laughs> what if you do have a point there? What if the rom-com is the story of her moving on to, was there like a different father that raised Peter? 
Well, it's I mean, because he could be that, right? Because he, he could got be pulled like, into space when he was like eight, wasn't? Because there's, yeah. there's, uh, oh my goodness, Yondu. Yondu. Yeah, but that Yondu a Yondu could movie be could it. be could be something. It's not a prequel. We don't jam characters from the other movie <laughs> yeah. into it. So Yondu <laughs> just shows up while they're prancing around New York. Wait, New York? What's or, I don't York? know. I don't know where Peter Quill's from. He's from like Iowa, Middle or America. Missouri. Yeah. yeah, okay, Middle America somewhere. Is Kirk from Iowa? He Captain is from Kirk? Iowa. Okay. That's what I was thinking. What if we made a movie where Peter Quill and Captain Kirk meet? Are in love. <laughs> and it's a rom-com. The ultimate prequel. <laughs> and they both decide they're going to be space captains. <laughs> and they this can't is already, meet back up nope. with each other until they've achieved their dreams. Oh my goodness. This is already... Okay, I think I'm on the other <laughs> side now. I think we're all anti-prequel at this point. <laughs> for the one listener out there who's played to the moon, I want you to know that's what I was thinking of when he said it. So cry with me. That's <laughs> listener. <laughs> Perfect. I am leaning in the direction of that let's a take a bad movie. One of your listeners yeah. didn't involve you guys. <laughs> the one, li- yeah, our one listener. If you're that one listener, reach out to us. And yes, we will. we'll make like a sh- animated short for you yeah. about this movie because <laughs> that's something we can do. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. Take a bad movie and make a good prequel to it. I think it might not be Valerian because I didn't see the whole thing and I don't know if you guys even saw it. I think something that could help us dictate the direction we go with this is if we turn to our studio executive and learn about one of his, uh, what do we call him? Studio studio demands. (laughs) All right. It's like I haven't done the show at all or something. I'm glad glad we got to this. I actually added one based on you guys telling me about stuff you hate. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, So the studio has been in talks lately and we're getting a lot of heat from parents. And so the first demand we have is that it must have a moral relevant to the rising generation. Okay. And the moral has to be hammered through the screen. It has to be said verbatim at least three times in the movie <laughs> by a character. So you're talking this is the moral. about like Cinderella when it's like, yeah. be nice and have courage. Yeah, ideally we could do it like Gandalf's heavy handed nonsense in The Hobbit where it has nothing to do with the conversation they're having. He literally turns the camera and says, Saruman believes you need to be powerful to change the world. I believe it's the little things, like being nice to your neighbor. And it's like, what is happening right now? Or wow. being a hobbit. Yeah, the little so things. It should make the audience kind of squirm in their seat a little bit, because we, we can have no ambiguity that this is the moral of the movie. But it's a, it is a modern, yeah, but a modern lesson for modern youths. The, so it's about Fortnite or whatever. Yeah, so it's a Fortnite <laughs> related Fortnite is moral a little problem. much. Or p- perhaps dabbing or... Is it a Fortnite movie? Uh, can I... <laughs> can, I, can, I can I build off that, though? <laughs> what was the OG Fortnite? Hunger Pub Games. PUBG. Okay. I was, think, I was thinking PUBG. <laughs> I, got, I got your back, man. <laughs> what was the OG OG Fortnite? Uh, that Japanese Hun- movie. Okay, the OG OG, but not OG OG OG. Not not Seven Samurai. <laughs> That's the OG Somewhere everything. Between PUBG, <laughs> come on, and what's it called? Where Battle the... Royale. Battle Royale. Thank you. In between those two, you had a Hunger Games. Hunger movie. Games. Hunger Games prequel. Ooh, that actually. Does... I might the, watch the that. Fall of... <laughs> yeah. It's actually a world that we don't know about how that happened. And there are a lot of like legitimate questions about uh, Pan Am. The, the best part of it is the actual Hunger Games. And that's where the third movie kind of fell off for me. Because it's like, oh, you don't have mm-hmm. your pull, your main attraction to these movies. You're not even doing that. You're getting more and more into these like PETA, Jennifer Lawrence love relationships. And I don't care about that. I just want to see a Fortnite movie. I want you to tell me, I want you to tell me the actor who played PETA. Because you just said PETA and, and Jennifer Lawrence. Steve Hutchinson. You're pretty close. Pete? Peta. It's Hutcherson. Hutcherson. Oh, it is Steve, though? I don't know. I just know it's Josh Hutcherson. Josh, Josh Hutcherson. Oh, yeah. Josh Hutcherson. I was just very curious if you knew it, because you just said <laughs> Peta and Jennifer Lawrence. I was going to say Katniss, but I forgot her name in that moment. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I th- are we are we like all a little bit on board with doing a Hunger Games prequel right now? Yeah. This is the most excited I've been about Hunger Games. <laughs> and I'll maybe be telling it through the medium of Fortnite? Yeah. Okay. Nope, that's not a good idea. It'll get us some great lessons, though. What if? But they do have giant axes or whatever. Can I pitch this? Yeah. It is a two-week coup that Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is a young President Snow, is trying to take over the country. And throughout the whole movie, he turns to the audience and says, (laughs) you know, I think we need to really make the most of this fortnight that we have. 
and right. take over the country. Oh, so it's about how Fortnite is destroying the United <laughs> exactly. States of America. That's relevant to the rising generation. Yeah. I'll, I'll run it upstairs, but I, I, like, I like what I'm hearing. We need to get, oh, I was just going to make up a name for our CEO or whatever. I don't know who that would even be. Anyway. Uh, Les Anderson, I guess. Uh, Les Anderson. <laughs> Les Anderson is one of our one of our in-house directors. He's a not as good version. <laughs> yeah, he's Wes Anderson's little brother. He's the forgotten brother. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you'll you'll meet him. He's yeah. He's, he's very. Oh nice. no, Les and I go way back. Um, I I want this. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a young president now. Yes, because <laughs> we've already seen he can play a young Bruce Willis. I'm sure he could play a young Keith or Sutherland's dad. Donald Sutherland. That's the guy. <laughs> what about Kiefer Sutherland? I think he's old now. I mean, he could be... Wait, was Kiefer Sutherland in Hunger Games or did I miss something? No, Donald Sutherland. Donald was. Sutherland. Oh, okay. He's the president. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I couldn't remember his name. I just know his son is Jack Bauer. But, but that is that is Jack Bauer's father, the actor. Yes. yes. Whoa! <laughs> Worlds collide. Whoa! <laughs> I think Kiefer Sutherland's in it, but not as the as a young Donald Sutherland. What is Kiefer Sutherland... <laughs> Keith or Sutherland? Keith, I can't say. Keithert, Keithert Sutherland is the president of America. Okay. That would be a fun little twist because you expect him to be playing the young Donald Sutherland in all the from all the trailers. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. but he's the, the one. Together, but they'll put it together wrong. But he's the one that the young young Donald Sutherland, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is trying to defeat because he thinks he has corrupted America. But he's not. He's got to be like a good guy, right? He, he he has good intentions, if nothing sure. else. He might be making wrong decisions, but he's trying to do a good job. Good guy, yeah. Because Joseph Gordon-Levitt does have to have the groundwork to become the evil president. Who's style. the protagonist? Like, are we are we following the evil guy? I think it's a Star Wars... Okay, this is the first time <laughs> I've suggested we do something like the prequels. But I think it is. It's like Anakin, where we know he's going to turn bad. But we follow him, and he does have a moral compass friend coming along with him, an Obi-Wan Kenobi character, okay. who is like your, I guess it's like Lenin and Trotsky sort of situation. Exactly. A history reference where like, that we can all enjoy. <laughs> where it's like they're, they both have these idealistic dreams of changing their country, but then the Lenin character, who is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, takes it too far, establishes a communistic overbearing regime that is the ussr and trotsky gets shoved to the side and and one thing to to make sure we don't go uh, too far out from our, our demands from less uh they need to be tied to our postulate that fortnite is destroying america so yes they, they could be game developers um, okay or or something like that what if he's like a cool one of those cool tech boys in in silicon valley yeah, and he's he's oh, yeah. ruining everything, and it's Elon Musk. It's young Elon Musk, <laughs> and he's in the Hunger Games verse now, <laughs> and he's played by Kiefer Sutherland. Is that right? No, Kiefer is. <laughs> we need to simplify this. Kiefer Jack Bauer is president. Jack Bauer is president, so, and he's Jack Bauer. On on the top of casting, I should probably uh, help you out with the second demand that I just got from Les. He just got me on the earpiece. Uh, this is going to be a little bit tricky. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen, we have a, okay. an existing contract with him. <laughs> he wants to reprise his most famous role, which is, of course, Chauvelin from the Scarlet Pimpernel. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm that's sorry. a revolution, it's, right? Yeah, it's, it it's, it's a tricky contract we have with Sir Ian. We have to we have to do it or we all go into court. What if he is a robo version of that character? Because <laughs> <laughs> Hunger Games takes place, it's meant to take place in a future version of our world right like mm-hmm. people have plotted oh district nine is iowa or whatever right people district have, one like, is salt lake from what i understand something yeah, like, yeah. yeah. it's we're it's called district oneers it's denver oh okay know. yeah but we're probably okay. in the district we probably are we're we made it we're at least we like it. district <laughs> two at worst is that the, the mining one no district 12 is the mining one oh. and that's and the one West katniss Virginia is from something. what if he is his character but a modern version of it I think and, yeah, okay. What if it I, is? I, I think we could tell that to him. And he's the vice president to Jack Bauer, and so he is the so one who is like he's a killer robot Frenchman vice president to Jack Bauer. Is that where we I, got I'm him? not? <laughs> I'm not going to fight for robot, but I do like the idea of him being a robot. I like this idea of he's like whispering into Jack Bauer's ear of like, That's good. "This is what you need to do to deal with." Because then we we raise further questions for the prequel to the prequel. How did we get a killer robot French vice president? Yeah. 
And that's it's and, it's good. <laughs> leaves leave some plot threads yeah. hanging. There. We need to get some timelines sorted out because it's very future Hunger Games. Yeah. So this will be our fu- in our future, our near but future. Before okay, a future enough that Elon Musk has created flying uh, buses and he's that can man? drop off people into the Hunger Games. So it's this generation. Yes. Like it, it's like twenty forty years. In the I think future. it's next generation. I think it's Elon Musk is the very old man. So everyone running the country plays Fortnite. That's yes. how this got started. Right. It's all the teens the of today. Okay. So it'll, it'll really send that message across loud and clear. Like, yeah. This, this is your generation. This is what you guys are going to yeah. do. We because blame of what you're you doing. for this. Yeah. And Darn Jack Bauer does turn to the, the camera and says, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wait, Jack. Who are you talking to? Hey, were you know, born between 2000 and 2014? You did this to us. <laughs> this, is, this is on you. <laughs> I like this. I think we need another studio demand to. The next one, ironically, is going to be a lot easier based on where we took this. Um, they want. So we, we actually have a contract with the state of Utah, and we need a set piece that is not in Salt Lake City or Southern Utah. Can't be Red Rock. But it has to be in Utah. But it has to be in Utah. Can't be Salt Lake, can't be Southern Utah. Can yeah. it be the Great Salt Lake, not Salt Lake City? Uh, that's out of the city limits as far as I know, all so right, it, it right. counts. We can have a lot of dead seagulls in there. Can I? That's all I know about the Great Salt Lake other than it smells bad. Can I pitch something? It does smell really bad. Yeah. That would actually help make sense as to why Pan Am's capital is in Denver. Yeah. I think the revolution starts in Utah. And that's okay. where Joseph Gordon-Levitt and whoever we decide is his Obi-Wan character, they are like leading the revolution to fight the oppression that's going on but then they get betrayed by their state because of their very drastic very controversial ideas so they get banned so they go to the next closest state that will have them which is colorado whoa what if we see the formation of the districts from this right we get to see the states just completely fall apart and join together in districts yes and so that could be interesting it could be like an extension of the the secessionist movements that pop up every time someone becomes president (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) What if we get, it, maybe it's an attempt to fix the Electoral College at first. Oh, yeah. But then it turns oh, yeah. into like, like a, that. And, and like we decided the only fair way to do it is to unite based on resources in common. <laughs> so that, that, that's, like, has, that's like our submoral is a defense of the Electoral College. <laughs> yeah. Be careful with the Electoral College, kids. <laughs> you could, if, you, if you ruin it even a little, Pan Am. <laughs> yeah. Jack Bauer has some very extreme gerrymandering practices is what we're learning from this. <laughs> Okay, but District 1 does have political sway over all the other districts. The Electoral College does prevent that kind of thing from happening. Hunger Games already had this moral. It was there the whole time. Did someone in the Hunger Games movie turn to us and tell us to avoid this? <laughs> Did Liam Hemsworth no, go, hey, you, you guys? Is Liam Hemsworth? There? That's where they oh, failed their moral obligation to the American people. <laughs> they didn't have the over the Shame on moral. you. Well, now Susan we understand what our, why our executives felt so strongly yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, this they're passionate about the Electoral College here. <laughs> We try not to get too political on the Silver Street Redemption, but here it is. We're taking a stand. <laughs> Hunger Games is all about electoral colleges. Man, it, really, it really is, though. <laughs> anyway, so so we get to see this in real time. We get to see, not real time, that would be slow. Um, the states morphing into districts. That makes sense. Our, 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 our bad president slash his Obi-Wan friend, who still haven't decided, right? No. They're no. from Utah. And the the landscape that we're going to... What if we just had them on... No one's going to believe there's a president from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> he has to at least have been governor in Massachusetts first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's say... What is... It? I'm trying to like think of a good like visual thing that's not Red Rocks or Salt Lake. So um, could we repurpose Sir Ian McKellen as the Obi-Wan character? There it is. And he, he teams up with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. When he sees that the evil president is being too evil. Yeah. He's like, I'm out. I can't even fix yeah. this. I'm gonna help you resist him, but we gotta we gotta be sensible about this. And then George, Joseph Gordon Levitt just basically becomes the next Jack Bauer president. Because French revolutionaries, the first word that comes to mind is sensible about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we do get a guillotine in there, but it's oh, yeah. a, a futuristic guillotine. Oh yeah, with like a, like laser. a laser. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is the same. <laughs> yeah. It's still made of wood, but it has a laser that shoots down, cuts their head off. This is a good movie, I think. Yeah, we're getting Could there. Could it take place in... 
what is, what is unique about Utah besides the mountains? I mean, I, I mean, yeah. That, I like, this but, is, but the Utah Tourism Board isn't going to be like they're not going to be super happy about like check out our beautiful mountains. They're the source of the future dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this idea of like he lives in a cabin in the woods on a mountain. And he's always like looking out over Utah Valley and is like, my people. And then they reject him. So then he turns around, climbs over the other side of the mountain and looks over Colorado. And is like, my new people. And that's where he <laughs> oh, starts. Yeah. What if it's positioned exactly on top of the rock? That's yeah. it. The headquarters <laughs> of the resistance starts there. I like that. Okay, like yeah. Promontory Point, I think, is the highest point. And that's where it starts. And it's like, cool. Oh, man. And you've built this actual wonderful poetic symmetry into it, too. Because this is the resistance that becomes government of Pan Am, right? Yeah. yeah, And then the whole point in Hunger... Well, their actual moral, as it were, is when their resistance takes control, but Katniss is like, oh no, this has gotten out of control. So we have this endless cycle of when you get into power, you, you just it, suck. It rhymes. Like and we poem. just made Hunger like a poem. Games yeah. even more better. Man, it's good. Uh, what else we need to figure out? What's, it, what's this movie called? <laughs> the, the Hunger Games? The, the Getting Hungry Games? <laughs> the <Hold> Appetizer <laughs> Games? We, we, can, we can outpace that. Hold on. The... the the amuse bouche game. <laughs> amuse bouche. The most dangerous game. Well, oh. I feel like there's still an element we need to include into this as to why is all this... It's called the Hunger Games because you get resources if you win. So what... Well, they're starving, right? Yeah. We need some origin to that, right? What if at the start of this movie, there is there is plenty? Everyone has plenty. And, and then climate change. And things are distributed well. And I guess it's climate change. There it is. That's and, the easy one to and think. And someone else turns to the camera and says, watch it, kids. <laughs> you did this. You did this. I think, I think the, the tagline of the movie is just, you did this. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> it's Uncle Sam. <laughs> you did we this. Well, with Kiefer Sutherland. You did. Like. We should have all talked well, to our grumpy uncles at Thanksgiving. Oh, it's like, you kids with your Fortnite and your climate change, <laughs> and your, your electoral college. <laughs> That's basically what this This is our post Thanksgiving special. <laughs> I think we're all just sort of getting it out of our system now. Oh, I am looking forward to the lectures we're going to get in the comments about the electoral college. Yes, I'm, I'm definitely be very fun. I'm excited for that. I Bring hope our on. audience is chill. Like, guys, please be chill. Like, we're not trying to make too big a statement. We're just trying to have fun. We'll take Kevin out back and shoot him after this. Don't worry. Do they do? Do they do an in, initial version of the Hunger Games? Maybe that's the last thing we see. Is the climax of a, some sort of? The only way we can determine this is a competition. Things sort of descend into barbarism, and then it's like we need to like at least organize this. And oh, well, so the Hunger Games is like a good move. It, it's like reducing. Yeah, it's like isn't that no because. The, the justification in the books is that it was to keep the the districts in line, right? From yeah. rebelling. So it's done. Okay. You know what I like Finish about Finish your thought. <laughs> but it, maybe, maybe that's that's what it has become. But initially it was like, we need like a peaceful yeah. way. To not, I mean, not really peaceful. Maybe it does start with peaceful. What, what if it's sports? What if, what about this? That's the premise of League of Legends. So okay. What if Joseph Gordon-Levitt's faction is not the only faction that is trying to overthrow the president? There are multiple factions and they realize that they are on a course of mutually assured destruction. And so they know like, hey, we don't all agree, but we know we're going to kill ourselves off if we yeah. keep this up. We need, to move, we need a system, system. Of, of champion fighting. And so we have the original leader. So we have like Kiefer Sutherland is representing the old regime. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is representing oh, so, his new So regime. the American government buys into this. Yeah. Okay. It's become like purge level anarchy. I was point. just thinking purge, right? Because isn't purge the first ones are like a dream version that is then realized in the most recent movie? It's like something like that, right? It's basically just like we need to get it out of people's system. You have one day <laughs> get the wiggles out. Ever <laughs> <laughs> get your wiggles out? One day, no loss. I think there's. I think there is a scene set in an in an LDS church too, <laughs> just <laughs> the to help the Utah purge. tourism board. <laughs> And Everyone so, who's not from Utah is just going to be lost for parts of this episode. That's fine. And I think uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's companion, the one who's like his moral compass but gets thrown off to the side, does have to be a girl. And that sets this precedent of a guy and a girl from each district. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And it's she's played by Sarah Silverman. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift is better than you think. She did music for The Hunger Games. So she did. It's a tie-in. That's true. And okay, then Jennifer Lawrence is doing the soundtrack for this. <laughs> it's only fair. Because she sang on on one of the Hunger Games songs, right? I oh, yeah. So. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. So we're switching them. 
Taylor Swift is in the movie. JGL and Taylor Swift. Um, yeah. So transitioning for that, I actually just got a text from Les, and uh, we're really going for that Oscar on this one. So he has two <laughs> demands, but the first one is that it has to have a musical number. Okay, for the Oscar. Yeah, yeah, because that's it's an easy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that works perfectly. We got Taylor Swift. Yeah, She'll we just got Taylor. Yeah. So. She will turn to the camera and start singing a song about how Fortnite is not a good game. What if she wrote the original Hanging Tree song? Right? Because it's like a folk song or something in the movie. Yeah. I forgot. I don't remember the last movies at all. That's the one that Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> That's like the, the rally song. Yeah. Maybe. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if it's created in that movie or if it's like a folk song that they revive. But if it is, then it's that. I think it's We don't even have to figure it out. Just it is if it is. Taylor Swift singing The Hanging Tree. Just as we made The Hunger Games initially had good intentions and even arguably achieved its purpose, we need to show how it's ironic that this Hanging Tree song has become a protest song. So it has to have some other purpose when Taylor Swift writes it. And And she could be Taylor Swift as herself. Okay, and she's so. she's very pro government, and she's like, yeah, you're gonna be hanged, just like Taylor Swift for, for rebelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Um, we still don't have a title. I think that's all we need. I think we have the rest uh, of it figured okay. out. Real quick, we cannot write a song about how if you're not pro government, you're gonna be hanged. That sounds like it's riddled with controversy. That's that's what this movie's about. We're gonna shake things up and that, get that Oscar. That goes on like a whole nother level of bad. <laughs> Once the bell is rung, it can't be unrang. If you're not pro-government, you will be hanged. There it is. Taylor Swift. That was, uh, that was Taylor Swift came into the studio <laughs> and sang that. <laughs> she, <laughs> didn't, she didn't warm up her vocals. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, yeah. I just text her and she comes running. She's kind of <laughs> Got her on speed dial. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So it's called The Hunger Games, colon something, right? Because I think we need to cash in on that. The first Hunger Games. The first Hunger Games is pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. I I stole it from The First Purge, which is the name of the fourth Purge movie. The first Hunger Games. It's very obvious what we're going to do with the movie from that title. Yeah. Do you want the the other Oscar winning requirement that we've been given? This one's a little broader, uh, but we really want to get that Oscar. So there needs to be something that is Oscar bait. It needs to be a personal tragedy or a topical problem that a character has. Something like that. Need need to throw some Oscar bait in there just in case that musical number Taylor just kindly performed for us doesn't make it. What if in the marketing before this, we stir up some controversy. We make like fake Twitter accounts. uh, We hack Donald Trump's Twitter account and we like make electoral colleges a big deal like bigger than it is oh yeah so it really is stirring the pot by the time this movie comes out (laughs) we're gonna manufacture the controversy before the movie comes out Uh uh-huh i mean actors we're going to opine about the electoral college during their speeches (laughs) we're going to ruin the country to save our movie to save our country whoa that's 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 another good tagline (laughs) (laughs) um who's directing it should we get Les on, on this one? Les Anderson. <laughs> we haven't used him for a while. It doesn't feel who, like Les Anderson. Who did uh, Seven Pounds? That was a weird oh, movie. Interesting. Um, just make it a, just totally reverse everything we've done. Make it a cerebral piece. I think it works. Because that's just a tone thing. Yeah. Gabrielle Muccino is the Seven Pounds director. Cool. The movie was weird. <laughs> <laughs> a resounding <laughs> review there. You don't care if it's good quality director, just it's weird. Let's We're, do I it. Mean, we got to get that Oscar. We'll do what it takes. Okay, Muccino's in. All right. Gabriel Muccino, congratulations. You got the part of directing it. <laughs> please, please contact us. We'll set you up. <laughs> you can come see the beautiful Utah. The, the <laughs> tourism is great. Yeah, we did it. We I think that's it. Else? I think we go ahead and wrap this up. Okay, Kevin, do you need to pitch anything? I mean, you're, you're a guest. You need to do the talk show thing, right? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what? Uh, don't they always talk about their upcoming projects or whatever? I, I sell real estate. Nice. You want to you wanna buy or sell a house in Utah? <laughs> Boom. Kevin, this is work time. <laughs> As you pointed out, Kevin helps you sell real estate. <laughs> and everyone, no one's ever thought of that before. Have you ever ta- considered running for a... I keep wanting to say electoral college. This movie has fried my brain. Have you ever considered running for a political position? I'm on it. I'm announcing my candidacy right now. <laughs> we, get, we got the scoop. Mayor of Pan Am. <laughs> so we need to overthrow the government, found Pan Am, and then make me the mayor. It's a okay. three-step plan. 
Kevin helps. I just literally advocated for overthrowing the government on your show. (laughs) That is not protected. FBI will be here in a few minutes. You better start running. I love that your three-step plan, the last step is you becoming (laughs) the mayor. (laughs) That's really good. Um, Okay, well, go find us on the internet. We're we're at silverscreenpod.com. We have links to everything there. Uh, Or you can find us on Facebook, The Silver Screen Redemption, on Twitter, at Screen Redeem. Or on Instagram at the Silver Screen Redemption. Just go to silverscreenpod.com. Do it. They're all there. And I think that'll do it for us. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bobbley. I'm Kevin Helms. And whether or not they need redemption, we'll be there. Any similarities to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental.